A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. If you ask me which body parts controls our sleep, definitely gonna be your brain. Do you know how our rational brain and emotional brain actually can impact our sleep differently? So today we have New York bestseller book author Dr. Jill Taylor sharing with us about her new book. Talking about the four different characters in our brain and how that may relate to our sleep health. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm your host Ishan. Let's welcome Dr. Jill. Welcome, Dr. Jill, to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I am so excited to be here with you. I love talking about sleep, and I love talking about the brain. Awesome! I'm really excited. I know you are a best. Stellar,、uh, you wrote wonderful book, and you have actually a new book coming out. How about you? More about your book. I do. So, just briefly, my story was: I was a brain scientist. I'm a neuroanatomist, so I study the anatomy of the brain. And I was teaching and performing research at Harvard Medical School. And one day, I woke up and I had a major hemorrhage in the left half of my brain. I could not walk, talk, read, write, recall any of my life, and then、uh, it took eight years for me to completely recover. And then I wrote my memoir, My Stroke of Insight, and、uh, and then I gave a TED talk, and it was the first TED talk to ever go viral, so that was exciting. And then Oprah found out about it, so I interviewed with Oprah, and that was exciting. And then I was chosen as one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people in the world, and that was exciting. And but I had over three hundred thousand people write to me. I had ended my TED talk saying, "We have the power to choose moment by moment who and how we want to be in the world." And I've had all these people come and say, "How do I do that?" And it took me this long to figure it out and to write a book about it. And so the new book is called "Whole Brain Living: The Anatomy of Choice." And the four characters that drive our life, and I really feel like this is my gift to why I came back. Wow, that's wonderful! I think that's a very powerful message you are sending out to people that we have the choice, even though we may not know whole a lot about our brain, we may not. Feel like moment to moment we have a choice. We can control how we think, how we feel. But sounds like there's a way can give us more power, can empower ourselves. Exactly, and it's like you know we always say you know well you know you could you could have made a better choice, don't you think? And you think if I'd have had a better choice, don't you think I would have chosen the better choice? And and so we don't know what our choices are, but by getting to know how the anatomy of the brain is structured, so that we have two emotional groups of cells and two thinking groups of cells, one in each of our cerebral cortices, and each of them has different values and different skill sets, then we can actually choose moment by moment which of those four groups of cells. 
which are not just skill sets, but personalities and characters, we have the power to choose moment by moment which one we want to jump into. And we do it all the time subconsciously. Imagine the power we would have if we chose to do it consciously. Wow. So the four characters you're talking about in your book, that's very interesting concept. Can you explain more to our audience what those four different characters are? When you look at a human brain, you know, we were taught that for like the last half century, that the right hemisphere is our emotional brain and our left brain is our rational thinking brain. And that's only part true. The left brain is our our rational thinking brain, but the emotional system in the human brain is the limbic system. And the cells of the limbic system are very structured, very organized, and they're evenly divided between the two hemispheres, which means we have emotional tissue in the left brain and emotional tissue in the right brain. We also have thinking tissue in the left brain and thinking tissue in the right brain. So we, and, and so then we can take everything we understand to be true about our left brain versus our right brain. And we know quite a bit about that. Some of it's false myth, but a lot of it is true. But our left brain, when I experienced a stroke from, uh, in the left hemisphere of my brain, I lost my left hemisphere. I lost the thinking and the emotional tissue, but I still had a right hemisphere. I was completely conscious. There's a group of cells in the left brain parietal region that defines the boundaries of where I am. So because of those cells in my left brain, I am defined. I know this is my face and what my body is. And I know that these glasses that I wear on my face, they don't belong to me. They're uh, in addition to me. So the left brain defines the boundaries of where I begin and end. It also has language. And a part of language is me saying, I am, I am an individual. I am separate from everything else because of those cells that have defined the boundaries of me. And as a result of that, my ego center is going to be located in that left brain. I, I am a woman. I am a human. Here is, here are the details of my life. This is my schedule. This is how I relate to the external world. So I have, I have all of that information processing. The right hemisphere doesn't have a past or a future while the left has a past and a future. It has linearity of time. It thinks hierarchically. It thinks linearly and sequentially and methodically. It likes to control people, places, and things. It's completely organized. The right hemisphere doesn't have any of that. The right hemisphere is right here, right now. It doesn't have the definition of where I begin and end. So it perceives myself to be this big ball of energy related as atoms and molecules, my consciousness expands far beyond the boundaries of of what I perceive myself to be. So I'm connected to all that is. And, And I have emotions in the present moment experience, and I have cognition in the present moment. And those are completely different in what they value and in what they pro- how they process information. So we end up with these, not just these two hemispheres that are completely different in how, what they do and what skill sets they're good at and, but, and what they value. 
So when I think about that brain, I think about uh, left thinking and left emotion, right emotion and right thinking as four completely different groups of cells and four completely different characters related to each of those. Wow. Definitely. That sounds more complicated than what I was thinking, just thinking about left or right. That's simple. Exactly. Not that simple. I actually started thinking about this because I was giving a presentation and I was talking about how lovely it is that most people these days know about the amygdala and the hippocampus. And I said, but the fact of the matter is that we have two amygdala and two hippocampi and two anterior cingulate gyri. In each hemisphere, we have one in each. And there was a literal gasp in the audience. And I thought, you know, it is very confusing if we think that we have one group of cells that does all of our emotions when our emotions can be so conflicting. And so this just simplifies. It's a differentiation of how we understand what the cells are doing in our brain and then what abilities we have in the world based on what those cells are good at. Actually, it just brings in a level of clarity that simplifies everything. We can all relate to those four different characters. And all of a sudden we realize I do have the power to choose which of those characters I am existing in at any moment. Wow, definitely. That's, I feel like just by knowing this more clearly, just knowing these different categories gave me quite a lot of ideas because, you know, I'm a psychologist in clinical work. A lot of people, I noticed somehow they tend to stuck in the past or overly worry about the future much more than other people. Right now, we have the trend to ask people to practice how to be at the present moment more, how to be in tune with your body, with your current experience. And I'm thinking about sleep, how that play out in sleep. Since I treat sleep disorders, insomnia a lot, in sleep field, we talk about at night when we try to sleep, actually our rational brain kind of is falling asleep but our emotional brain is very active. In the past, I only think about the two categories. That kind of makes sense. But now we know there are four different characters we should think about that. I'm wondering how that's going to play out in our sleep. Well, I, I think you're spot on when you are looking at that rational thinking brain. So let's talk about the four characters, and then we'll talk about sleep. So if you take a brain and you divide it in half and you fillet it like, you know, a butterfly, um, out here is the left thinking, character one, left emotion, character two, right emotion, character three, right thinking, character four. Okay. So the anatomically, those, those are the cells that give rise to the skills and the personalities or abilities or concerns of each of those characters. So what you just discussed was character one, which is the rational thinking brain, which is processing information about the external world in relationship to myself. And it has a past and it has a future. And then the emotional system, character two, is the emotions of our past and our future. So when you're thinking about what's getting in the way of your sleep, it's your left brain. And it is your left brain. 
because the left brain is our stress circuitry. Our thoughts, we think about things in the past that give us, give that stimulate the character two anxiety, or we're running through a list and we've just got a million details that we're following and we can't get that part of our brain to be quiet. Or emotionally, I'm feeling fear about the future of the unknown, or I'm feeling anxiety or resentment or guilt or uh, shame from anything that has happened in my past. So that left brain is very intense and it's very, very busy. And the right hemisphere isn't like that at all. So the character number three is the right emotion and it's right here right now. And it's not really so much emotion as it is experiential. How does it feel for me to be just in this present moment? What is the temperature? on my skin? How do my clothing feel on my body? Am I comfortable in my seat? You can't see it, but I have a dog on my lap and she is warm because she's sleeping and it's lovely. So the experience of the present moment is character number three. And then character number four is that shared consciousness that exists without any boundaries of where I begin and where I end. And it's connected to a sense of gratitude. And when we shift into our sense of gratitude, the whole system calms down because the right hemisphere is not ramping up our stress circuit and our stress circuit accelerates our thinking details, details, more details about those details and intense emotions and memories and hooks into it. And it's fast and it's, it's dramatic and it's, it's, it's heavy duty emotions. And the right hemisphere is just the kind of the experiential of the present calmness of the present moment and just the big picture sense of gratitude. So as you're as you're talking about people who are caught up in that thinking and they're doing details and they're running their to-do list and, oh, I forgot to do this today, so I have to write myself a little text to remind myself tomorrow, you know, I mean, this is what we're doing, right? And then we have that technology right next to our head, you know, and then we've got that energetic and the energetic of our brain. And that's why they say, you know, put your technology in another room, uh, pay attention to how much screen time you're putting into your head, because that's influencing the delicate balance of our circadian rhythm, which is something we really need to learn to respect. When I'm cranked up and I'm alert and it's a good time for me to do all that left brain stuff, do all that left brain stuff. But when I'm in in my lull, allow myself to relax and to pause and to do things like get into my body, take a walk in nature, walk around any way that you can, even if it's at your desk, walk around regularly, get your blood flowing, Um, realize that you're this incredible collection of a abilities. And that if we want to balance our brains and balance our body and balance our circadian rhythm and balance our awake, asleep cycle, we have to respect that rhythm. Yeah. Wow. That makes sense. Our, like our experience, how we feel, how we connect right here, right now versus the past and the future and different brain area actually. function. And that's why my guess is that you encourage people to do meditation at night if they can't sleep, bring your mind to the present moment, 
Think about your body parts, squeeze different body parts and bring, because that's when you're consciously present and relating to the body and uh, focusing internally, or you might do a, a, some kind of a meditation where the light comes in and, and it just fills you out. And as it fills you out, it warm and soothing and connecting to whatever your infinite being or God or, or whatever you call your relationship to something that is outside of ourselves. And it gets us out of that circuitry because, you know, sleep is all about the brain. And you have to have the active circuits quiet down enough in order to be able to let the other circuitry come in for sleep to actually come over us. So everything, everything about anything that we do is really about the health and the well-being and the activity of the brain cells at any moment in time. And we do have the power to choose which of those characters we want to embody at any time. And just simply knowing that says, okay, if I have X amount of energy going on as synaptic connections inside of my brain, well, character one, you had your chance today. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of all my details. Character two, we're good. We're safe. We're in a warm little space here. It was a day, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, it was a day. Is there anything we need to feel so that we can go through the feelings? Is there anything we need to, to you know, but we don't need to worry about because worry is just letting that energy go and knowing that if we release the worry circuit and we go into the right brain, it's in there looking at the big picture. And that's why we wake up and we have solutions to our problems after a good sleep, because it, it isn't in a little box of confinement and constriction. It's in an open to possibility way of being. So really learning how to navigate out of the left brain and into the right brain allows us to then shift into a, a light sleep. And then of course, a deep sleep. And then of course, REM, which is so important. Definitely sounds like this can be a transition. And I'm wondering for meditation, this kind of uh, exercise before bedtime, do you think it activate characterize um, character three and four more, or it shut down character one, two more? Because I, I love that question. <laughs> a lot of people keep on talking about they can not shut their brain off, right? <laughs> they can try to relax, but even yeah. if they feel relaxed, they still cannot fall asleep because exactly. their brain are so active. I love that question because, you know, people think that when we do meditation, the goal is to have a quiet mind. Well, you and I both know those are rare moments, right? So the secret, in my opinion, is saying to that character one, I love you. You are so good at following all those details. You are magnificent at controlling people, places, and things. You get me to places on time. You, you did so well today. Now, I'm going to put you in the background. Because I love you so much that I'm going to get you some good sleep so that when you get up tomorrow, none of our little details fall through the crack. And character one is over there going, but da 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 And I'm going, I love you, mm, background. So if I put it in the background by purposely moving into my breath, 
is the best place to start, isn't it? Because as soon as, and even if you take your fingers and you start up at your, on your forehead and you bring it down your nose and down your neck and down into your chest and you just touch your chest and you bring your mind to that. And another thing that I'll do is I'll put one hand in the other hand, because now we're talking, let's synchronize both of those hemispheres. And another thing that I will do is I will put my feet palm to palm of the bottom of my feet. And again, that brings my right brain in connection with my left brain. And then I just start having this synchronized energy. And for me, there's a little bit of joy that happens in feeling that like electrical stimulation. And I figure eight myself through myself and all of a sudden that that noisy little character one and character two, they may still be chattering about or feeling whatever they're feeling, but this is becoming empowered. So how do I actually empower the circuitry of my right brain? And by doing so, the left brain slowly shifts its energetic down. Now, if my left brain isn't going to be quiet and I've got a to-do list, I may, and I'm not going to go to sleep, then it may win. And I may actually get up and decide it's not time for me to go to sleep. I'm going to go take care of some sense of urgency that it has, and then it will feel satisfied. But when you look at your brain as these four different characters, and it comes a conversation between the four characters about what is the right next thing for me to be doing now. Then the one gets on board and says, I love sleep. I love it when you go to sleep because when we get sleep, I wake up and I'm not foggy and I'm clear and I don't need and I don't need uh, caffeine and I, I feel good. I feel better and I perform better. And more than anything in the world, that character one is a perfectionist and wants to be a top performer. And with my little character two emotional knows that when I get good sleep, my threshold for tolerance goes way up so that it takes much more negative stimulation before I get triggered and I start feeling bad and routinizing over all of my negative system um, circuitry. When I'm calm, if I'm stressed and I, I don't have any sleep, I'm my tolerance is down here. So it only takes a little bit of stimulation before I feel anxious or worry or unhappy or whatever. So they know, they know that sleep is a beautiful thing. And when we actually speak to those different characters inside of our own head, and they know one another and they respect one another and they love and they support one another and they know they're all one team, everything changes. Wow. Yes, I love that. Remind me a lot of time when we help people uh, teach them how to sleep, a lot of time to get people understand our brain, our body actually knows how to sleep naturally. And they, they love sleep and we need sleep. Our brain, our brain, the center, right? To generate sleep. It's yes. not we are trying to control it that we can. So uh, I really like the way you talk about that, how to really help bring reconnect with it. And it's interesting when you talk about use a feet, use a hand, kind of like use our body, uh, make it talk to our brain. Uh, I a lot of time I talk to children that 
you know, my children clients, your uh, body actually can talk to you, how you feel, how you think sometime before you even know it, it shows up in your body and uh, versus versa, use your body, connect with each other and it send a message back to the brain. It's so interesting. And, and that's really the consciousness of the right brain. What am I feeling in my body? What is my guttural communication? Because the right brain, it doesn't have language in the same way that the left hemisphere has for external. But boy, does our body speak to us. And it's the right brain that actually listens to that and then needs to be able to intuitively, if, if we had a definition of intuition, it would be the bigger picture perspective and understanding of all the dynamics going on in the present moment and how they blend together. You're absolutely right. The body knows how to sleep. There are cells in our brain that allow us to sleep. And then there are cells in our brainstem that have to act, become active in order for us to wake up. So every ability we have is dependent on cells that are performing that function. So if we have a cortex or an emotional system in that left brain that is doesn't feel safe, then we don't feel safe, you know? And so, so soothing, learning to self-soothe ourselves and using our own right brain to self-soothe our left brain is a beautiful gift that we give to ourselves. And the younger we learn how to do that, wow, the more mentally healthy we will grow up to be because mental health is completely different, uh, completely dependent on brain health. Yeah, when you talk about that, remind me a lot of ch- children sleep psychologists are coaching children, parents, right, for children to learn how to self-soothe before bedtime, and ask the parents not to be there. Let the children depend on them. A lot of time, parents have the habit to <laughs> help children until they fall asleep. You sleep with them or you right. soothe them, but right. then children, as they grow up, they have a lot of problems with sleep. And you know, you know, as a psychologist, the emotional cells, they never mature. They never mature. They're all about the right here, right now. The left brain is saying, is there anything coming in right now that reminds me of a past threat? And is there a reason for me, because I see it as a past threat, to push away now? Right. So it's it's just right here, right now. Alarm, alarm, alert, alert. And the right brain emotional cells are are the similar in the right here, right now, but they're saying, is there anything in the present moment that I need to protect myself from? Is there a truck coming at me and I need to get out of the way? So the cells of our emotional system never mature and information streams in through all of our sensory systems and then goes first to the cells of our amygdala saying, am I safe? Am I safe? And then once I'm safe, based on the present moment, it will send information to the hippocampus. And then we can send that up into the higher thinking centers for learning and memory. So what that means is we are feeling creatures who think. We're not thinking creatures who feel. So we're not going, it's very difficult for us to to calm our emotions by what we're thinking. We calm our emotions by coming into the present moment and realizing that emotionally, 
We are safe right here, right now. So if I can't go to sleep because I'm a child, because I think there's a monster under my bed, because my brother told me that, then what do I need to do? It actually does help to get out and look under there or have a parent show us. But you are absolutely right. If we don't teach our children how to self-soothe themselves and their soothing only comes from me and they're sleeping with me, then they are missing a link that is critically important for their own mental health as they get older. And every person they're ever in relationship with, they're going to be dependent on that person for self-soothing. And if they don't get that self-soothing, they might get it in the beginning of a relationship and end up married. But I am not anyone else's responsibility except for myself. And I have that capacity in my brain structure to self-soothe so that I can take care of my own character too when I don't feel safe. So this is part one of my conversation with Dr. Jill. What impressed you the most? Please leave me a message and let me know. If you want to find more about Dr. Jill's book and her information, please go to her website at drjilltaylor.com. I will also put all her information on our show note at deepintosleep.co. At the end, I want to add a small announcement. If you want to improve your sleep and you speak Chinese, you can check out my online course for improving sleep. And my online CBT for insomnia four-week-long group, both in Chinese. You can find more information on my clinic website at mindbodygarden.com/insomnia. If you are in California and you want me help you with your sleep in English, please feel free to email me at ishan at mindbodygarden.com. Then that's it for this week. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm your host Ishan. I will see you next week. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who is struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co/insomnia.